This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. And welcome to another episode of Queen City Nerves News Hounds Podcast. I am Ryan Pitkin, your host, and I am here with the newly elected Mecklenburg County Democratic Party Chair, Drew Cromer. What's going on, Drew? Not much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm 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 glad to sort of uh, grab you while you're while you're new in the position. You were just elected by your fellow colleagues on the in the Mecklenburg County Democratic Party um, in on Saturday, April twenty second. Um, tell me a little bit about that that process. I'm sort of I'm one of these people. I think this will be an interesting conversation. I'm one of these people who doesn't get that involved in the very inner workings of pol- of party politics. Uh, I came up as sort of a guy who sort of rolls his eyes at the at the um, you know, the the party aspect of it, you know, I was covering activism, a lot of stuff that was almost even just out, working outside of the party and at a more grassroots level. So I think sort of speaking to someone who is now taking over at a, at a leadership position within that local party uh, and, and, and addressing some of those issues in terms of people who do feel that way or maybe feel like, I don't know, things are just sort of out of reach or inaccessible or this or that. I think this will be a great opportunity to sort of get your thoughts on some of that. And just seeing as how it just happened over this past weekend, give me a little glimpse of what that looks like in terms of you put your hat in the ring to run for chair of the Mecklenburg County Democratic Party. Um, what happens from there and, and how did it look on Saturday? Yeah, so some, some people jump into these races you know, really early on. My, my opponent, for example, jumped in I think at the very end of November, I formally threw my name in the hat in uh, at the end of January, and so for me at least it was you know about three months of you know pretty hardcore campaigning. Most of that is you know going to events, precinct meetings, and uh, just talking to party leaders, figuring out what it is that they care about, what it is that they want to see out of their party, you know, because I have my own ideas coming into this of the things that I'd like to see us accomplish. But at the end of the day, a good leader knows what everyone else is thinking and, and the sorts of things that they would like to, um, to have our party doing as, as we move into this really important election mm-hmm. that's coming up. And what is it, um, you're obviously, uh, I think for folks who don't know, you're 26 years old, correct? Yes. So very much on the young end of the party, uh, in terms of, uh, just in general, you're in your twenties, oh, you yeah. know, you're, you don't see that many leaders of, of the party, be it at a local, state, or federal level, at that age, um, I think I can count on one hand the number mm-hmm. of people that are in their twenties that are involved in the party right now on an right. active level. Mm-hmm. The average age of our precinct chairs and vice chairs mm-hmm. is sixty-eight. Mm-hmm. And you have seen a lot. Just sort of doing some background reading leading into this interview, uh, almost all the comparisons. This natural is something that I was already thinking about before doing this reading, but the natural comparison is Anderson Clayton, who was just elected as leader. Mm-hmm of the state Democratic Party in North Carolina, and she is 27, I believe? She's 25. 25, so even younger. Yeah. Um, Although I think she's about to turn 26, because she and I were in college at the same time. We were both both involved in College Democrats. Mm -hmm. And you were in Davidson. She she wasn't in Davidson. She went to App State. App State, gotcha. But um, she was one of the the statewide leaders. Actually, I beat her for vice chair of the College Democrats in North Carolina Mm -hmm. way back when, and then the next year she beat me. Yeah, So nice. um, She's... She's very sharp. She knows what she's doing, mm-hmm. and um, I'm excited to see 
the direction she's able to take the state in. Mm -hmm. Davidson's always been interesting to me. I don't have a lot of experience within the inner workings of it per se. I've I've, uh, been to, uh, I saw Ta-Nehisi Coates speak there once years ago. Uh, I played disc golf on the campus a couple times, but I don't know a lot about what's going on there. But just from the outside looking in, I was telling you I've covered activism. That's sort of how I cut my teeth in journalism Mm -hmm. starting 15 dozen or so years ago. Um, And I've just come across so many folks who were at Davidson, alums of Davidson, who were just very active. It's a very active school, it seems, be it folks like yourself who are on the party level, folks who are leftist uh, in more on a grassroots sort of activist uh, protest level and any all the things in between. Uh, it just seems to me like Davidson College is one of those places that people like Ben Shapiro get on their podcast and just piss themselves about all day and, oh, yeah. and are like afraid of. I mean, what is it about Davidson that you think, in your experience, sort of inspires um, that level of engagement? I think it's the students that Davidson attracts. Mm -hmm. Um, The student population at Davidson has a much higher propensity to want to get involved in the community, want to give back, um, feel, feel that they have a responsibility. And I think part of that is the students that they, you know, through the admissions process attract into the school. But I think the other part is that the school really goes out of its way to foster that in its students and, you know, becoming lifelong servants to the rest of society. And I think when, when you have that, you know, kind of ethos within a school, there's a lot of people who are going to start practicing that right away, right. whether it's volunteering out in the community or doing what some of my friends and I did, which was when the college gyms, um, you know, chapter felt like they were doing enough on campus and, you know, they didn't really want to go out and, and do stuff in the town. I got some of my friends who said, no, we're going to go, we're going to go canvas the, the community. We're going to help knock on doors, get Democrats elected. And that's ultimately how we ended up starting the party in the town of Davidson, mm. uh, which w- at the time was just a single precinct. But, you know, it's that sort of get out in the community, you know, realizing that um, you can, you can actually have an impact mm-hmm. um, and take things into your own hands and I had lots of other friends that decided to take that in a different avenue, not go into the political stuff, and you know would go start a nonprofit mm-hmm. uh, in, in town. So I, I think in general the school you know really supports that sort of activity, and and I I think when people when when they have a school that values that, you mm-hmm. know your students are. are more likely to do it. Right. And has this been, always been a part of your life before? Did you, gr- well, let's start with, did you grow up around these this area? Yeah, so I grew up uh, in South Charlotte. Okay. Um, you know, was born born here, born and raised here in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my parents were always active in our in our church and, you know, put, you know, gave us, the, my siblings and I, the, you know, the importance of being involved in the community. Um, in high school, I, you know, helped raise a bunch of money from my, uh, my, my school and we built a TV studio and, mm. um, you know, got a lot of donations and whatnot and, you know, getting, getting out there and doing that sort of thing, you know, has always been meaningful to me. Right. Just keeping engaged in the community in general. And what year you, you gra- must've graduated relatively recently from De- Davidson, I mean. Yeah, I graduated from Davidson in 2019, mm-hmm. um, and I went straight to law school. Mm-hmm. So I went up to Chapel Hill for, for law school. I graduated there this past May, oh, wow. took the bar exam, and now I'm a practicing attorney here mm-hmm. in, in Charlotte. And do you are you uh, like a public defender, or are you with a firm here in Charlotte, private? If, if I was a public defender, I can promise you I would not be Have the in time this to be. role as a, yeah. uh, leading the party. Public defenders do a lot of work mm-hmm. for our community and, and work a crazy number of hours. Um I, I'm in private practice, mm-hmm. uh, and I do employment law. Okay, so just in terms of you just you're straight out of school, 
Um, and like you said, I mean, even with or without public defenders, and I agree with you, I, I think that's, yeah, that would be about impossible. But it, you must still be busy just starting your career, just getting off the ground. Um, was it a concern for you that like, okay, let me get my life in order before I really try to take this leadership position? Uh, was there concerns around that before deciding that you wanted to do this? Absolutely. I think anybody would be crazy not to think about those sorts of considerations when looking at a role, um, you know, as important as being party chair. But at the same time, you know, while I am just getting started in my career, you know, I don't have kids yet. Mm -hmm. I don't have some of those other pressures that, um, you know, other people have to juggle while trying to take on a role like this. Um, And, you know, I look at what's going on politically and I see an existential crisis for us. And, you know, I had tried to recruit some candidates to, to run for this position uh, previously. And, you know, ultimately pe- when I would ask people if they wanted to run, eventually they just started saying, well, why don't you just do it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point I had to kind of put up or shut up. Right. Um, but the reason this is so important, you know, is our turnout in Mecklenburg has just been sagging. Uh, and it's been getting worse and worse over the last couple of years. And if we don't increase our turnout overall in Mecklenburg, you know, statewide Democrats cannot win. I mean, right. it's just mathematically not there. And, you know, obviously we have a gubernatorial election that's going to be coming up soon. And Roy Cooper is term limited, so he won't be able to run again. It looks like Josh Stein will likely be the Democratic nominee. And then Mark Robinson will likely be the Republican mm-hmm. nominee. And looking at that situation and seeing the low turnout that comes out of Mecklenburg, I, like, I've got to jump in. I've right. got to be involved in this because I, I know that there's more that we can be doing. I'd say this the just the th- potential threat of having Mark Robinson as our governor is uh, terrifying. That would yeah. that would create a sense of urgency. Yeah. But, you know, the Republicans use fear to motivate their voters, and it's a very powerful, you know, um, driving force. Mm. My hope is that we can be better than that as Democrats, and we can talk about what we're going to do for people and, and the things that we, we want to accomplish. So, you know, the more we can get, get a stronger foundation now, the more it can be um, you know, focused on what we're going to do for people unless, you know, us trying at the last minute to throw things together and, mm-hmm. you know, you know we're, we're, you know, running scared at that point. Right, absolutely. And you mentioned the low turnout, and that's, I think, the big, that is the big issue here of whomever was going to take the seat. Um, it was 44% for the state elections in 2022. That's the sort of the number that everybody uh, grabs onto in some of these stories because it is, it is abysmal, um, yeah. and it is lower than some of our more of other democratic centers, I guess you could call them, around the state. Uh, and what? so what sort of ideas do you have for the, those efforts to sort of fight back on that? Yeah. Beyond just your normal, we got to get out the vote. I mean, obviously that is the, the goal, but how do you approach that? And you mentioned the other democratic areas a minute ago, mm-hmm. so I just want to add some concreteness to what you were just saying. Mm-hmm. You know, Wake County is the only other county where we've got over a million-plus people Mm -hmm. in the county. They deal with a lot of the same issues that we deal with as far as, um, you know, factors that would normally drive turnout down. Um, We have a lot of those same things. And we actually have 34,000 more registered Democrats in Mecklenburg than they do in Wake County. Yet Wake County hits, at least in 2022, they hit 56% turnout. Mm -hmm. And we were down at 45, 44, somewhere in there. You're talking 11, 12% difference. That's 80,000 votes. Right. I mean, this is incredibly consequential uh, for statewide candidates. Um, in 2020, Sherry Beasley only lost by, what was it, 412 votes or something? Mm-hmm. Well, 
we have 195 precincts in Mecklenburg, and if each precinct just got about two, 2.1 people, mm-hmm. <laughs> but right. basically two people per precinct to go vote, she she would have won, and we wouldn't be talking about you know a, a Supreme Court that the Democrats can't take back until 2028, and we wouldn't be talking about how the Republicans are uh, you know likely going to redraw the congressional districts and this, maybe the state house and state senate seats. Um, if they're able to do that, I mean, you're likely going to see a much more difficult congressional race for someone like Jeff Jackson to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these things are really important. And you were asking, how, how would we go about you know, fixing some of that? I think you have to first attack the uh, and identify, really, what is the issue that's causing that lower turnout? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a whole slew of issues. But one of the ones that I really gravitate towards is this idea that we now win almost all of our local races. Mm-hmm. It, that wasn't always the case, but over the last few years, it's become you know much more of a, a sure thing that we're going to pick up certain seats. And I think we only have three or four that Republicans you know can regularly hold on to. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have local campaigns and candidates running in a general election, you know maybe because it's decided at the Democratic primary a few months before, if you don't have those people working towards a, a general election, you know that's one less reminder that their voters are going to get. The, you know, that they need to go vote. There's going to be less enthusiasm. And overall, you're going to have suppressed turnout. Mm-hmm. And that means that some of these these super blue areas where the Democratic Party needs its voters to come out, they, they are not, the they don't have the need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that speaking specifically about local elections, you have city council with only two Republican members out of 11, um, not including the mayor, who is also Democrat. And then you have a county commission who now for a few years has been fully Democrat, um, where, what's the best, where do you start in terms of convincing folks to get out during a, um, during a, a state election? Like what are some of those other factors you mentioned that we share with Wake County with that in big, in larger urban areas, heavily populated areas that lead to some of this apathy in terms of actually physically going and voting? Well, one of those is is when you have a lot of seats locally mm-hmm. that are held by Democrats, and Wake County struggles with the same sort of thing. And then in addition to that, you know, when I was up in Davidson and I led the party up there, you know, there was this sense at the time that, well, the, the Mecklenburg County Democratic Party is really the Charlotte Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Like, we're on our own up here in Davidson. And, you know, with all the municipalities that we have that kind of ring Charlotte, you know, we need to make sure that the party is giving them you know, plenty of attention and helping recruit candidates and get people excited uh, mm-hmm. within those communities, Wake County does a really, really good job of doing that. And so they're they're able to engage people in civic activity, not just in Raleigh, but in all the other cities around mm-hmm. uh, the county. And, you know, some of the, the ideas that, that we'd like to implement here are things that they have seen, you know, success with in Wake County. Right. And what would you say, not to, I mean, I'm not to, revisit the campaign or anything i'm not i wasn't very familiar with the campaign but just in terms of i think this is an interesting position to be in following a an election in terms of your opponent uh brandon becotes who ran against you is now you know you guys are you guys are certainly not going your separate ways i'm assuming he's still involved in the democratic party so what ways did you differ from him and then, and also, in what ways do you think is important to, to continue to to borrow his from his ideas now that this election is over and you have your position set up? In what ways did you differ from him? But in what ways do you think is important to sort of take away from that? 
what lessons did you take from his campaign? Yeah, so um, so uh, Braxton, uh, my opponent, you know. Oh, Braxton, I'm sorry, I said Brandon. No, you're fine. Um, Braxton B. Coates, um, he, you know, he's he's a, he's a very nice guy. I really like him. You know, we started off as opponents, but, um, you know, I I hope that we're we have ended this campaign as friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we spent a fair bit of time that the night of the election afterward um, talking and. Um, you also know, a young guy, 28. Exactly, 28. He's a middle school, mm-hmm. uh, I think, social studies teacher. Mm-hmm. Teaches seventh grade social studies, I believe. Um, you know, he's obviously very civically minded. Comes from a family that's been involved in, um, you know, in you know school board stuff or you know school related stuff. Um, Braxton spent a lot of his time in his campaign talking about. Uh, wanting to bring some of our auxiliaries and affinity groups uh, to to be more involved in the county party and some of the the activities that the county party was taking on, and what does that mean auxiliaries and affinity groups? Yeah, so like we have like the, the Democratic women, mm. the LGBTQ Democrats, mm-hmm. uh, the young Democrats, the senior Democrats. So we have lots of groups uh, that are you know identity focused within Mecklenburg County that are um, county wide. And groups get together and work on various things, raise money, uh, and try to bring people from their um, their identity into the party. Mm-hmm. And so, trying to bring those groups more into the fold and have them, you know, walking in lockstep with the party more um, was something that he was really advocating for during his his campaign. Um, you know, and a lot of other things we also shared and we agreed. I mean, we both agree that it's time for us to hire an executive director. Mm-hmm. You know, Wake County has had an executive director for a long time. There's a lot of other large Democratic counties that have an ED. I think Wake County currently has two full-time staff, actually. And we haven't had staff in, I don't know, 15 years or something. Um, and it's time for us to, to get back to a place where we have professional staff that can help execute some of the strategies that we're putting together and can really provide that day-to-day leadership for the party. Mm-hmm. And what, where was your focus as opposed to, you know, when he's focusing on uh, auxiliary and affinity groups, where do you see that uh, placement in your priority? And what is your what was your sort of top talking point, I guess you could say? I don't mean to brush it off as just a talking point, but you know what I mean, your, mm-hmm. your top priority. Yeah, so... I think um, as far as the affinity groups are and getting them involved, I think that's an important um, step in us kind of building a stronger party and and bringing everybody together. I think the Democratic Party sometimes has a tendency to, you know, want to scatter in lots of different directions. Mm. And, you know, everybody has different ideas what they want to do. And one of the roles, I believe, of being party chair is just to get everyone to coalesce together, to have a shared common vision, and to all work towards that together in unison because I think that's really when we're the strongest, is when we're, we're working together in that way. Um, my focus primarily in my campaign was, how do we increase turnout? What are the things that we need to be doing to drive turnout here locally? And one of those ideas is to take the county, and this is going to get a little you know, wonky, wonky, but take the county basically, which we currently organize into uh, the 195 precincts as our base level of organization within the party, and then it goes straight up to the county level. My idea is to kind of put a, a middle ground in there, kind of a district, um, district groupings, and have those be anywhere from two to you know fifteen precincts each, depending on where they're at, and just kind of get those groups uh, to start meeting together, uh, you know, more regularly. And you know, I think sometimes in the Democratic Party we have a, a tendency to focus on the bureaucratic stuff, like mm-hmm. organize your precinct and have a meeting and notice it a week in advance and. You know, you got to fill out this paperwork and Robert's rule of order, this and that. And 
there's a reason you don't see very many young people in the party. Mm-hmm. This is um, this is a place where the party needs to evolve, and I'd like to see us get together and socialize more often. You know, there's a study recently, I think it was like two weeks ago, that said 40 million adults in America experience chronic loneliness. There's a huge problem in our society, and I think the Democratic Party can build community, and I think we can be a place for people to come together and coalesce around you know, shared political views. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I remember back when I was organizing up in Davidson, um, after an event we put on uh, in a community park, I had someone come up to me as we were packing up and said, Drew, I've met more people in the last year being a part of this group than the other 29 years I've lived in this town. Mm. People didn't, didn't realize that there were others around them that were also screaming at their TV and felt like the world was going crazy mm. and wanted to do something about it. You know, someone three doors down across the street, they too were a Democrat and they wanted to be involved. We have to create that shared community and those shared interests because it might be the politics that brings people out of the woodwork to come join the Democratic Party, but it's going to be those relationships that they build with one another and that's that, that political community that we create that's going to get people to stick around. Mm. And I really want to see our party focus on that over the next eight months. you turn to stay in touch with the city around you? Broadcast news isn't what it used to be, and commercial radio doesn't scratch that itch. If only there was one place you could get it all, when you want, wherever you want, on your schedule, there is the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city on your schedule at queencitypodcastnetwork.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. biggest news story that we've seen here in the Democratic Party, uh, obviously you can't escape it, is the Trisha Cotham uh, ordeal. And we've already spoken about that a good bit on this podcast um, with Luana Mayfield coming in last week and or, or two weeks ago. And I think it's sort of the, you know, a lot of things were said by her and some were uh, just complete nonsense and some were uh, worth thinking about. And I guess before we really get into the things I'm curious about in terms of, uh, I don't know, whether we should have seen that coming or not, and I don't expect you to speak for that, but just what were your first thoughts when you heard that, uh, when that sort of news all broke within that 24-hour period, because it moved very fast, but what were sort of your first thoughts as someone who's heavily involved and were in the midst of campaigning for the spot you're campaigning for, uh, what sort of hit you first about it? Yeah, it. Um, so I, I heard it was coming mm-hmm. uh, about a day or two before it hit the news. Mm-hmm. Um, I was disappointed. I mean, really disappointed. Uh, I know Trisha. I know her mom. I had just talked to her mom a few days before. Um, you know, the first campaign I vol- volunteered on in high school was actually one for Trisha. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I should just really quick lay it out in case yeah. folks are n- not in the know and have somehow not seen this story. <laughs> just a longtime Democrat from Mecklenburg County, now serving in the state house, who switched spots from Democrat Party to 
the Republican Party after running on a very Democratic platform that we've known her for locally for a long time and yeah. uh, basically gave Republicans a supermajority through that just complete uh, switch. Yeah, I mean, she had only been in you know, in elected office in again for three months. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had been in the state legislature for a really long time. Right. Um, and she was actually a right. She used to be a rising star in our party. Mm. Um, she was originally, um, I think she was 28 when she first got into the state general assembly. I mean, it was quite impressive. I, she, I believe right, yeah. she was filling a vacancy. Yeah. The youngest woman yeah. to serve, I believe ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's impressive. Um, and I, I think, you know, she, then she took a break for a little while you know, my understanding is she was planning to run for, for statewide office. Um, but when she scrapped those plans, she decided to come back and run for this seat again. And so, you know, to be three months in and then switch parties, um, you know, I was disappointed. Um, but I can't say that I was particularly surprised. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, just in the week before, you know, there had been a big kerfuffle within the party that she had skipped. Um, she skipped out on a vote. Allegedly for, you know, she was getting a medical treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also broadcast that she was going to be getting a medical treatment on mm-hmm. that particular day, the day that they happened to also do voting. So that was the first time that the governor's veto had been overridden since 2018. And so we were all pretty ticked off at her mm-hmm. already. Um, and so it, it wasn't super surprising when, when we started hearing that she was going to be switching. Well, what value do you give those claims of hers that... Um, bullying within the party and and her claims were more specifically at a state level and following governor cooper's agenda um but what value do you give to that as opposed to uh, a lot of us who think that this was just part of a, a larger plan or maybe personal emotions that she's felt for a long time i mean do you give any value to that sort of uh, oh if they just would have treated me better and not forced me to uh, or making the democrats seem as if it's a uh, agree on every single point or, or forced out sort of thing. That was sort of her claim. Yeah. I don't really buy into that. And mm. it's not to say that the Democrats are, you know, always super nice to each other. Right. You know, we're all humans at the end of the day, but I don't think that we're any more hostile to one another than the Republicans are to, you know, each other either. Mm. Um, I, I think it was a big excuse. Mm. I think the fact that we had just laid into her, the week before, because she skipped a vote, which allowed for the repeal of the gun permit requirement in North Carolina, which, by the way, you don't need a permit anymore to buy a gun, mm-hmm. um, and, which is crazy. But she was upset that, um, you know, she'd been getting a lot of flack for that. But to me, it seems like it was all, you know, uh, a, a pretext for mm-hmm. doing it. I mean, she clearly had been planning this for a while. And I don't understand, you know, why you get into politics if you'd have such a thin skin mm-hmm. that if your colleagues are criticizing you for not showing up to a vote that that you couldn't handle it and also or she's been in politics that long she didn't right. just yeah like her that's, skin didn't just become thin right that's ridiculous mm-hmm. and then furthermore she was never showing up for anything mm-hmm. she didn't caucus with the other democrats so when were they going to bully her she wasn't there All right she was a no show to everything mm-hmm. so I mean, she, they had a, 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 a party, apparently, and she brought some, some, some cookies and stuff to the party, and then she was gone. Mm. You know, so when would they have bullied her? I mean, I, I just, I, there's, no, mm-hmm. there's no basis for this. 
Yeah, she made claims that she was bullied for wearing camouflage and having an American flag in her car, which is asinine. Nobody cares. No, it just Nobody plays cares into if you wear re- camouflage. It plays in this Republican talking point. It does, yeah. That's I mean, what it was. This is is literally just red meat for, for the Republicans because, you know, I'm convinced that the reason she did it is because she wants to run for superintendent of public instruction. Mm. And so ingratiate yourself to the Republicans so that they will let you be their nominee. I mean, that's generally it. So... You know, I, I'm not shocked that she would, you know, play to that base. Right. Well, now moving forward, taking lessons from this, we just had published an op-ed last week from a uh, school board member uh, and also engaged in the Democrat local Democratic Party, Jennifer De La Hara. She's been a guest here in the past, uh, but she had just she ran an op-ed calling it claiming it calling it the gift that Trisha Gautam gave us, meaning this can be our our sort of kickstart to pay more attention to folks like this. Do you think that that's something that's um, that you want to focus on moving forward, sort of like not even gatekeeping, but recognizing these behavioral patterns before mm-hmm. someone is in that strong of a place of power? Yeah. So I, I think, um, I think Jennifer's, uh, you know, onto something mm-hmm. and, you know, Jennifer had been warning us for a while about, you know, some of these things and, you know, as Democrats, uh, contrary to what Trisha was saying publicly, you know, Democrats are, are quite understanding, I believe. You know, I, I feel a, a, about people with different viewpoints within the party. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we are a big tent, and we really try to follow that. Um, I think one of the realities that we experience here in Mecklenburg, and I think it's really an isolated situation for places like Mecklenburg and Wake, when you've got such a Democratic... Um, you know, stronghold. When there's this this level of um, you know Democratic voters turning out um, when it comes to local races, at least, and you can't be a Republican mm-hmm. and win some of these positions. You're going to obviously have people who want to be elected officials who are going to um, who are going to run as Democrats who in another place might run as a Republican. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of people like. Uh, uh, Carmichael, who was our sheriff before Gary McFadden, right? Um, you know, um, people like what was it, Nick Mackey? Mm-hmm. You know, way back when, um, you know, Joel Ford got a lot of heat mm-hmm. um, a couple of years ago uh, when he was a state senator and was backing charter schools and that sort of stuff. You know, the Democrats, we, um, you know, we can get caught off guard by people who bring conservative ideas into the party under the guise of being Democrats. And I think Jennifer's on to something that, you know, we need to pay more attention to that. Now, what I advocate for, you know, publicly, you know, attacking, you know, elected officials who differ um, with the rest of the party on one small position? No, because I think that we're Democrats and we need to be respectful of each other's viewpoints. But when someone is a, a fox in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to pay attention to that. Right, absolutely. And, you know, yeah, it's one of those things where she's made her big, um, one of her biggest platform points has been LGBTQ rights since mm-hmm. the beginning, yeah. uh, talking about Trisha. And and then immediately one of her first votes is in is in favor of a trans sports ban in, in high schools and around the state. And it just seemed like she was just ready to jump right off of what she had just campaigned for three to four months ago. Yeah. I mean, it's just so clearly a power grab Mm -hmm. um, and opportunistic. And that's where that disappointed word comes from. You know, we all helped Trisha. We liked Trisha. Mm -hmm. We considered her a friend and, you know, she left. And, 
you know, I wish her the best of luck. Mm-hmm. And just to sort of wrap up, I mean, you're you're in it now. You've been four days in. Um, what? Where do you where do you where do you want to start? Because we have uh, local elections this year, and then big, and then the state elections are sort of the ones that everybody don't want to get complacent on any of this. But right. but the state elections are the ones that people have been uh, data shows been more complacent about. So where where does the where does the work begin at a ground level? Yeah. So as I was talking about earlier, I want I want to break the party up into some smaller pieces where we can really focus on local community building and. Um, you know, if we can build up uh, stronger groups all around the county and not just in a couple of small isolated spots, I think we'll have a you know stronger volunteer base when it comes time to execute on our turnout game. You know, you can have the best get out the vote strategy ever mm-hmm. created, but if you don't have people to help execute it, it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. And you know, my hope is that under my leadership, we can help the party be a more attractive place for people to come spend their time. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly amongst people my age. Um, and, 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 you know, even older, um, they look at the party as, as a place where maybe they don't want to spend their time in. So they'll go work for a 501c4 and volunteer for, you know, a, an issue-based organization. At the end of the day, if you care about any of those things, your best shot at, at getting change on those things you care about is working with the Democratic Party because you have to get Democrats elected at this point. The Republicans aren't going to back some of the things that Democrats care about. And it's only going to be by getting Democrats elected that we're going to make that change. So my hope is that more people will get involved in the party. And if you want to see the party, you know, be more active and, um, you know, do certain things, then come join us. Help me do it. Help me grow this party. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, if we can create a stronger party here in Mecklenburg, I believe we we can really energize turnout in Mecklenburg. And if our turnout in Mecklenburg could hit statewide levels and even hit Wake County levels, we could we could completely block the Republicans from from winning statewide elections mm-hmm. again. Um, we could send sixteen electoral college votes uh, to to the next Democratic nominee. We could send a United States Senator uh, from North Carolina as a Democrat to uh, the Senate. We have an opportunity here in Mecklenburg to affect change not only at a statewide level but at a national level. And all the missing votes are here in Mecklenburg County. Mm. Donald Trump only won North Carolina in the last election by 1.3%. Mm-hmm. That was the closest margin of any state that he, lost, or that he, that he won. Mm-hmm. We have a huge opportunity. So I, I encourage people to help, help us build this party. And you know, if you've got skills in you know, comms work or um, so social media websites, um, fundraising work, mm-hmm. um, you know, any sort of skill set that the party could really utilize, please come help us. Right. We, we need the help. Well, what would you say to folks who would maybe be on your side in any given argument, but don't see any reason to sort of base their loyalty in the Democratic Party? They, they might dislike Republicans or the conservative way of thinking, but don't see any benefit to themselves to what they see as uh, just sort of blind loyalty. What what would you say to folks like that who are maybe in your age group, maybe tend to lean left, but don't see a reason to get that actively engaged? Yeah, I'm, I'm not asking for blind loyalty from anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even even I break away from some of uh, the, the majority you know points within my own party. But we're Democrats. We're allowed to do that. Um, if you don't see the Democratic Party as a place where you want to spend your time, then come 
you know, or people around you don't want to spend time, then tell me what it is that you would like to see. And then if you're willing to help me do it, we can create that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, I firmly believe that the party is, is the way that we, we will bring about change in Mecklenburg County. All right. And what is the best way to get involved in terms of to start looking for those events and community meetups? Where, where do you, where are you guys most engaged at online? Yeah. So, um, some of this is TBD. Okay. You know, we'll have more information mm-hmm. coming on it. But, you know, it, again, if you have a particular skill set um, that you think the party would benefit from, um, you know, reach out. Um, you can, my, um, you know, my email is just chair at mechdem.org. Mm-hmm. People are more than welcome to uh, send me an email and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll fold you in. I mean, we need, we need more people who, who are willing to, to help us build this party. And, you know, if if there's nothing specific that you feel like you can bring to the table, but you you want to help in some way, um, you know, follow, um, sign up for our email list. You know, in the next couple of weeks, I hope that we'll be sending around you know more more notices about various meetups that are happening in, in all over the county. My hope is that we can have stuff going on every month that's within ten minutes of everybody. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're younger, we have the young Dems. You know, feel free to get involved. They usually meet up at a bar or something. Right. And um, you know we have something for everybody it, and if there's something that you'd like to see from the party send me an email tell me mm-hmm. what it is and and we'll we'll try to make it happen mm-hmm. all right drew well i really appreciate you coming in uh it's great talk and you got a lot of work ahead of you so i will let you get to it but uh thanks for coming in on short notice and congrats on your new position thank you appreciate it queen city podcast 